Episode 36 is here, people. Hey, hey. Welcome back to the Track One Side One podcast. As ever, I'm Gaz Jones. You know that by now. Anyway, uh, this week is a big one, a huge one if you read uh, Kerrang! back in the day, because joining me for a high-class musical natter is none other than the legendary journalist, Mr. Dom fucking Lawson. Yes, mate. Uh, Dom's written for everyone from Kerrang, Metal Hammer, uh, Classic Rock, as well as the, for The Guardian, uh, and Blabbermouth, and tons more. Um, at Kerrang, Dom was like the metal guy, uh, but his musical palette goes um, from extreme grindcore all the way to freeform jazz uh, and ultra sheen pop bangers um, with a healthy liberal dose of fucking blinding heavy metal which courses through his veins and uh, it was a real treat to have a chat with a guy whose stuff I'd always search for first in the latest issue of Kerrang oh do you remember those days Wednesday morning gun news agents on way to school by Kerrang jumps for goalposts all that bollocks so anyway I'm gonna sharp let's do this please enjoy my chat uh, with Dom and uh, as ever I'll be back on the flip side top five side ones track one track one you're listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. The greatest. Each week, a guest picks their five favorite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. So let's put on our classics and have a little chat, then, shall we? And we're live. Joining me this week, staring at me uh, through my uh, little old laptop screen and the little old lounge, we have little old Dom Lawson. Hello, mate. I am. I'm a very small man. It's, I'm well known for it. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. That's all right. I mean, before we crack on with your list, mate, I mean, how hard was it getting it down to those final five? Um, it's awful. I I hate things like this. Mm. Uh, That's the point. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really vile thing to make you sit and think about because, mm. I mean, I got it down to about twelve at one point, and I was thinking, yeah, all right, there's twelve. They're all good. That you know, mm. and which one? What, it, it's very hard to know because it, you like each one. You like for you know for albums mean different things to you. You know, it's not like mm. these are all my favorite albums and I like them for the same reason. You don't do it, and, and so it's mm. um. Uh, opening tracks are ha- have an emotional quality, I think, because it's that Pavlov's dog thing, you know, and it, it just sort of because they're the first track you hear from an album, it obviously it represents the whole album, so it's not, you know, it's not just about the song itself, you know. So I tried to think more about that, really. And uh, these are all songs that have some kind of pathetic anecdote to go along with them, I think, really. Well, uh, at least four of them do. <laughs> But that'll, uh, that'll, that'll do me. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you know, we, we, we want the stories. Memory. We want the stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Should we crack on, mate? Let's do it. Track yeah, number one. Where are we going? Uh, well, let's go with the Sex Pistols first. Because mm. um, chronologically, I think it would be the first of these anyway. And the first one that I heard anyway. Um, I mean, you know, I would never pretend to be a, a, cool, a cool person on any level. And I certainly wasn't when I was a child, you know, like I come from a, a deeply uncool and repressed, you know, middle class family. And, and uh, uh, so f- discovering punk rock was only ever going to happen accidentally. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it, it was um, a friend of mine at school when I was, oh, let me think, I was eight or nine, I guess. And uh, a friend at school, whose name was Justin Hill. I remember that. 
and it was his sister who I think was called Erica, and I, I may have misremembered that, but <laughs> not that I'm sure they'll be listening to this. Uh, <laughs> but, if they were. Yeah, but he, she had some cool records, and he did, or she did me a tape, and it had uh, The Damned on one side of it, uh, a bunch of like the classic damned songs uh, and it had a bunch of sex pistol stuff on the other side now i mean i cut i come from uh, my parents were fairly devout christians as well you know and i mean i i once tipexed over the word fucking on a on a dexy's midnight album lyric sheet thing just in case my mum saw it do you know what i mean when i was like eight or something it was like oh god there's a swear word you know like Blimey. so uh, so bringing that <laughs> Bringing Nevermind the Bollocks home was always going to be kind of feel a bit edgy for me, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly. Yeah, I, uh, I was probably 10, 11 when I bought Nevermind the Bollocks, and um, and so it was based on this tape that my friend's sister had done for me, and I, which I'd listened to in secret, you know. And I thought, all right, I've got to get got to get that album, so I bought it. And to this day, I think it's one of the few perfect albums that I've heard. You know, I mean, that, there are hundreds of albums that I would give nine out of ten thousands probably you know but ones that i would just give 10 to without any thought uh never mind the bollocks is the the first one that springs to mind every every time and it's one of those rare occasions when you find yourself agreeing with noel gallagher you know cause, uh, <laughs> i remember he was i think he's on there's like a um the making of sort of documentary about never mind the bollocks and he's on it yeah. saying that it is just a, a perfect album 12 songs they're all brilliant what more do you want you know and and for me holidays in the sun that ever so slightly tasteless use of the sound of jackboots at the beginning of holidays in the sun you know <laughs> it's out of the four big singles they had off that album holidays in the sun is the nastiest one you know and it's the yeah. it's the yeah. least catchy and it and it's one of the snottiest things you'll ever hear in your life i mean almost as snotty as what comes next which is bodies which is obviously you know <laughs> yeah yeah incredible <laughs> the really offensive track on, on the record but but, uh, yeah. just for uh, to be 10 11 years old to hear the sex pistols at all was ridiculously exciting but there was just something about that opening track i don't know i think it had some kind of profound effect on me and it, i think that's what got me into heavy music really in a way yeah i was into that before i was into iron maiden marginal gap i think you know but in some ways that never mind the bollocks is a heavy metal album i'm, I'm pretty sure joe elliott from def leppard said that once you know if you actually think about it Mm. although it's punk rock definitive punk rock it's massive guitar sound and it's quite mid-tempo it's not yeah that's the thing it's pretty it's, it's not fast. It's kind of proto yeah like yeah it's, it's yeah it's got mid pace there's like it's, it's that that steve jones guitar sound it's it's chug 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 isn't it yeah, yeah. you know it's, i mean it's it, not it was like you, in a classic sense but it's it's not no no away, is it you know no exactly but you listen to a lot of other kind of like punk bands of the time and their guitar, te- their guitar tones, you know, be that on a buzzcocks or the damned, I mean, you know, wonderful kind of intrinsically important guitar tones as they were. Yeah, it yeah. didn't, you know, Steve Jones's sound was just, I don't know. It was just a hundred times fatter. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just that yeah. classic Les Paul through a Marshall. Yeah. Just, and all yeah. those bands, all those eighties bands, you know, from Motley Crue to Guns N' Roses, they all wanted to sound, they all into guitars yeah. to sound like Steve Jones. I mean, that was, you know, yeah. that's, that's, as in, as influential an album as any ACDC record really because it on, yeah. on, on the whole hard rock heavy metal thing because it's just massive riffs in it you know and uh, I mean yeah that's, that's the kind of thing I think like every song every song of that album has a huge fucking riff yeah it's, yeah. it's crazy you know yeah. I'm like when you when you send your listener I actually listened to this album in a while and I was just like fuck it is yeah. it is fucking great regardless of what you think of John Lydon now nowadays. 
he was John, he was Johnny Rotten then, you know. Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah, he was unique, you know, and he was, uh, you know, he was subversive in a way that no frontman had been up to that. Maybe with the exception of Iggy Pop, you know, like just. Mm. So not English anyway, you know, English. Yeah, he was a scrawny looking, you know, emaciated, <laughs> weird looking fucker and, and you know, he couldn't sing really and it was just sort of sneering through his nose and it's just amazing, even to this day. Yeah. yeah. At least half of the tracks on that album give me goosebumps even now. <laughs> yeah, no, true, true, the same. I mean, what, what do you think are the characteristics um, that make a great opening track? You know, what do you go for? What floats your boat? I was thinking about this earlier, actually. I, I mean, with... I say, you know, a large portion of what I listen to is heavy music of one kind or another. And it's almost like the most, the biggest cliche in the world is to have a sort of creepy fading in intro, you know, like it's <laughs> at 30 seconds of atmospheric weird noises, you know, and then, yeah. and then the riff explodes from nowhere, you know, I mean, and that's, that's 80% of the albums I listen to new records will do that, you know, and, yeah, and so yeah. that's obviously an effective, I mean, it does work, you know, I like yeah, that. It's, yeah, but, it's tried and tested. <laughs> but I'm also, I also quite like the, you know, song that just starts and smashes you around the face from the word go. I think that's quite a, a good thing. You know, I think, um, you know, the fight fire with fire sort of thing, you know, something that's just, uh, you know, or Pan- Angel of Death even better, you know, like it's just it's Panasonic just Youth. That was yeah, the exactly, one for me. Yeah. So I was just, what? Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. You know, the, the um, was it Heart Attack American off the first Bronx album? You know. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just that, that riff, and then it just goes off like a, a rocket. And that, I mean, I think it depends. It depends largely on the type of music you're talking about, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's no, like, no, totally. With, 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 you know, with uh, straightforward metal of any kind, then you, yeah, you want the spooky intro and the. Uh, the trumpets and the, uh, the you know the sound of an orchestra and all that and then it kicks off that's fine you know that's that's standard with a punk rock album you really don't want three minutes of dicking about before it starts do you, <laughs> you know like, uh no no <laughs> missing, missing the point isn't it really you know yeah, exactly so uh, track track number two mate where are we going right uh number two i'm, trying, <laughs> I'm gonna forget my list now uh track number two uh would be is that the van der generator one can be. Well, yeah, yes, yes. You, yes you, yeah. The undercover, uh, undercover, man. undercover man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this this is. Uh, I mean, I've jumped chronologically, so I've obviously not stuck to what I was saying. But anyway, um, <laughs> this, your I'm show, saying, your rules, mate. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fair enough. Over the last twenty years, I would say, uh, above any other music that I've listened to, uh, the music of Peter Hamill and uh, Van de Graaff Generator has become hugely important to me and just not, okay. not, you know, for any particular reason, it's just, I love it so much. And and so it's, uh, you know, and, and it's been a real huge catalog to kind of dive into because most of it happened long before I got into, got into Peter's music, you know, and um, the moment when I truly fell for their music was when I, I bought a compilation or I was, I think I was sent a compilation. I was working at Kerrang at the time and for one reason or another, the PR, who Peter Hamill's PR, who's uh, a lovely chap called Chris, um, who is also a West Ham fan, so we get on very well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you have to cling to each other, you know. Uh, <laughs> but he, he, he brought in a bunch of CDs into the building and met up. With, for some reason, I knew him. He was looking after a metal band. I think Satyricon he was looking after. Anyway, he, uh, he gave me a bunch of CDs from stuff that he'd been promoting, you know, including a bunch of Peter Hamill stuff and a Van de Graaff generator, like a sampler, you know, like from a, a oh. box that they've been doing. So it had like seven tracks on it or, you know, about an hour of music. 
Um, and the first track that I listened to was The Undercover Man. And I, I happened to be, I mean, it was at home late at night and I was quite stoned. And, and it's just one of those things where you put on music and no TV on, nothing. And you just sat on your own listening to music and you, you take it in in a way that you don't when there's other people around or, do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, distractions, yeah, completely. Yeah, and it starts so quietly, that track. It's with, and the vocals, like, just a whisper, really, you know. And it's, I don't know, they're such a unique sounding band because there's no guitar on that track at all, you know. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just, you know, and the bass is uh, pedals on an organ, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that, it's such a unique lineup, really, and, and such a unique setup. I, had, I hadn't really listened to them before, and I knew the name. You know, people say prog rock bands, and I was I was aware there was a prog rock band called Van de Graaff Generator, but yeah. it was it, they're not like Pink Floyd or Genesis or or Yes, where certain songs have seeped into the mainstream consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. the average person on the street hasn't got a fucking clue who Peter Hamill is. You know, and now <laughs> Peter like and Peter's quite happy for it to be that yeah, way. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure he's more than happy to go and buy his pint of milk in the yeah, morning, yeah, and no one knows yeah. who the fuck he is. So I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged to have spoken to him a few times, interviewed him really? a few times, and wow. he's. He's just interested in the work, you know, in and in, in making the music. He's not, you know, it's, it's it's certainly not about being a star or anything else, you know. And it, no. he would be quite insulted by the suggestion that it was, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. And and there's just there's something about Van, like I say, with Van der Graaff Generator, you've got uh, effectively two keyboard players, mm. um, and you and at that stage you had uh, David Jackson playing uh, clarinet and saxophone. Uh, and you've got this drummer who's pretty much a jazz drummer, but playing sort yeah. of wonk, wonky prog rock beats, you know, and mm-hmm. just compared to most other progressive rock from the, that classic era, Van der Graaff generators sound really out there and they sound subversive yeah. and and original. And they still do, you know, what the music he makes now is completely original. And I think that's why the undercover man really gripped me, because it just I'd never heard a song like that, let alone you know, the arrangement was totally fresh and new mm. to me, you know, and it didn't really sound like something from 1975, you know, it still doesn't to me. It's, God, it, no, it still sounds like something from the future, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really strange music, and because his voice is so, uh, it's timeless because he's quite, he's yeah. posh, you know, he's got a posh tone to his voice, he enunciates and he's got a kind of, he was a chorister when he was younger, and so he's got oh, that kind okay. of, you know, the vibrato of somebody who's sung in, in echoey buildings, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's got huge range, you know, and but he's, it's always very intimate when you hear him sing. And on, on that track in particular, if you listen to it on headphones, which I never do because I'm not a headphones guy, but I would imagine, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a really, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing, you know, to hear him whispering in your ear. I mean, he's a nice bloke, so it's not menacing, I promise. <laughs> no, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that's, I mean, my, that's definitely my favourite album by Van de Graaff Generator. God bluff is yeah, it's just it's um it's one of those bands that I mean I've always been a massive prog fan um since I was since I don't know the first time I heard fucking Rush when I was about I don't know eleven or twelve yeah, yeah um yeah. and I'd never really sort of gone in on on Van de Graaff I'd certainly never heard this song before and it it, no, right. it, it literally stopped me in my tracks yeah it's I was mad, li- I was well, like when you first initially sent your list through I was I was listening to it in the van. And yeah. I literally had to, I literally had to pull over. Yeah. And unfortunately, I was, you know, I was, I'm a delivery driver, so I can't really, I can't really afford, I can't really afford to pull over for 15 fucking minutes. No, you know right. I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was thoroughly fucking worth it though. It was, uh, yeah. My goodness, man. I mean, I mean, do you think? I mean, prog is kind of cool. 
these days. I mean, not common. I, 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 mean, I, I hate that fucking word, but I mean, I, I used to get rinsed when I was at school for, for listening to, you know, early Genesis or Rush or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yes. And things like this. But I, I don't know if it's as a result of people like, I don't know, say Stephen Wilson kind of bring it into yeah. more mainstream kind of pastures. I don't know if, it, you know, it certainly seems like, like the, the mainstream media are kind of picking up more on it these days. And it's, yeah, you know, it's going to be a good thing, I, I suppose. Yeah, I think they still regard, you know, I think they was, they're they still happy, like, like with heavy metal, you know, uh, when, whenever heavy metal is mentioned in the press, the mainstream press, it's usually with a Spinal Tap reference, right? So <laughs> yeah, when, people, yeah. when people talk about progressive rock, there's usually a reference to Rick Wakeman wearing a cape and ordering a curry midway through a song. Do you know what I mean? That's just, it's, a hell of a, it's a hell of a story, though. It still makes me laugh. It's brilliant, yeah. It, you know? But that's, yeah, that's that yeah. sort of broad brushstrokes yeah. perception of what progressive rock is. And I think yeah. I would say over the last 20 years, uh, and it's, I'd say, Stephen Wilson, number one, Opeth, number two, yeah, uh, Radiohead number three, and yeah. actually the ongoing success of Marillion number four. Yeah. I think the combination yeah. of all of those um, has given progressive rock a credibility that can't be denied. And it's not, it's not, you know, they're not making music that, that's 35 minute songs about goblins. You know, it's they're making contemporary music about contemporary things with contemporary sounds that Definitely. just happens to embodied the spirit of the early 70s you know which was yeah frank, frankly a more organic and liberated music industry at that point because people oh, were throwing cool. money at it left right and center <laughs> and everybody could indulge their well most bands could indulge their every whim you know yeah. which is why you got all those crazy records you know but um, now yeah. people are doing, but now people are making crazy records with a laptop you know it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, God, that, that um, I mean, that that Stephen Wilson album that came out at the start of last year, was it a Future Bites? It's oh, fucking incredible. Yeah. Stephen Wilson's from the same town as me, and I think it. Oh, really? Which which, which town's Hemel that? Hempstead. He went, oh, Hemel Hempstead. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Cavendish School in Hemel Hempstead, and I went to Longdean, which is uh, obviously a better school. But he's about five years older than me, I think. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's a major connection because we can actually talk about places in Hempstead, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's the, pretty much the only famous person to come from Hempstead that I can think of. So, you know. Uh, what, the bassist from Kajigugu? Nick Beggs is he from Hemel as well? I think so. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he's played in Stephen's band, so that would make sense. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck knows where I grabbed that nugget from, but there you go. When I was, how old was I? Uh, 17, 18, I saw yeah. Stephen Wilson and Tim Bonus as No, no Man, although yeah. performing as No Man is an Island at that point, uh, when they won the Battle of the Bands at Hemel Hempstead Pavilion. No way. Yeah. Wow. Oh and I didn't realise, because I, I just, we saw it, and we were just like, yeah, brilliant, they were quite good, actually, you know, and, and then mm. 20 years went by, and then yeah, the, penny, yeah. the penny drops when I'm like, <laughs> I'm listening to Porcupine Tree going, yeah, this is well good, he's from Hemel, you know, H- hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I mean, you, you were talking about... Um, you were talking about Kerrang! earlier in regards to Vandergraaf and stuff, and um, yeah. I mean, what was... Um, that was... Was that the first magazine you worked for, like proper? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, it was a late start. I think yeah. a, a couple of people have, have, have sort of said recently that they they thought they were reading me in the nineties. Well, they, you weren't because I didn't write anything for a magazine until at the earliest 
second half of 99. <laughs> really? So that's I could have I'm fucking saying. sworn I used to read your stuff in the 90s. No, well, that's it. See, it's, wow. that's, that's because you're getting old, mate. And, and yeah, that's it. Weed's a funny thing. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it makes you think that things that happened a long time ago were actually more recent or, or vice yeah. versa. Yeah, yeah, more like more vice versa. The nineties was like five years ago. That's the way I still. See yeah, yeah, that's it. it. That's the problem. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I so that's when I started. Wow. Like, who, what yeah. was your? What was your? Who was your? Um, who was the like the first band that you interviewed that got published? Uh, the very about? first interview I did was with Acker Cocker. Really? Oh my God! Yeah. My, my, um, um, my mate Sam Loins is obviously yes. Acker Cocker and Voices. Yeah, yeah, old yeah, friend yeah, of mine. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's it was, unbelievable. Uh, that's Jason, so cool. Jay- Jason and, and Dave, you know, and uh, yeah. so, uh, which was good, you know, because I've, I've been mates with them ever since. And, they, you know, they're, they're, they're lovely people, you know, but it's, yeah, it be, yeah. um, it's nerve wracking the first few times you interview a band, you know. I bet, I bet. You just, you just feel like such a bell end, you know what I mean? Yeah, because they're, mm-hmm. they're really cool because they're in a band and you're yeah. a dickhead with a, with a tape tape machine do you know what i mean i was gonna say was this still was it was this still was it still yeah, like a, ta- a hefty tape machine a, a little, oh yeah. nice very nice yeah my first one was a full-size cassette one there yeah now i've got like, one of those tiddly little olympus ones you know but mm. yeah yeah that was and that was when it was that 2000 year 2000 i think um and then yeah uh, after that it's a blur after that because I've interviewed everybody pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bit, yeah. you know, journalists who've been in the game as long as you and stuff. You obviously interviewed hundreds, if not thousands, of bands, but you always remember your first one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I remember oh. the first. The first thing I wrote for Kerrang was a review of Cannibal Corpse at the Underworld. Nice. I know that how many, for a fact. <laughs> how many? How many K's was it? Do you remember? Uh, I, I don't. Did we give them for gigs? We probably did. I imagine I gave it four. Which is, oh yeah, yeah. 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 For a while, they did that kind of like lightning yeah, so bolt or that, high, yeah. high voltage and da da da. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember to be honest. <laughs> no. yeah. I don't, I don't keep a massive archive of all the stuff I've written like some people do. You know, like yeah, yeah. Could give less of a shit. You know, it's gone. No, yeah. You know, once it's out, well, yeah. I mean, once it's out in the ether, done. Yeah, I. Once one thing I don't want to do is read stuff that I wrote from 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, really? No, it, 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 see, that's interesting you say that because I'd fucking love to read your some anger review again because I agreed with every oh. word of it. I think it was fully deserved a 4K. I know you've I, got, I'm sure you've gone over this ad infinitum with lots yeah, of lots of people. I mean, but, I, you know, if I, if I, I, I agree with it. Uh, I would genuinely I mean, still give it 4Ks. It was the last time I gave a fuck about a Metallica album. So, you know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think. I can I, I can't I don't think I can justify the 4Ks with hindsight but then that doesn't mean anything really but oh, no. um I, I think I would I would now give it 3 uh yeah. and I think I got overexcited because it was heavy um, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no shit and yeah. because and because personally I think load and reload are fucking boring um, yeah. yeah I didn't like the black album that much either so you know, it's just one of those things. I, I got overexcited and I was new to the game and I only got to listen to it twice, you know. So Wow. Is that wow. In, in, in someone's office on headphones, you know what I mean? So it's Yeah. You know, I, I knee jerk review, I suppose. Oh well, yeah, it was. I mean, but I, I don't you know, I think people would expect me or, you know, knowing what I'm like would probably say, Oh, stand by it and fuck it, you know, but I I don't stand by it because that I wrote that 
20 years ago. You know, Boys, like, yeah, exactly. You know, and, exactly. And if, you, if you'd asked me six months later, I would have said, yes, I stand by it and got all embarrassed, you know, but no, I was wrong. It's not that good, but it, but it was not that bad either. You know, it's, no, uh, God, no. Um, and I, I agree with you. I would sooner listen to bit, bits of Sananga anyway uh, than anything uh, on load or reload. Uh, and I don't like Death Magnetic that much either. No, really. rubbish, so, rubbish. Yeah. Uh, the last one was all right. It had some good songs on it. No, no it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if they if they'd done it as a succinct kind of forty minute album, yes, with yeah, the yeah, fast yeah. with the fast stuff, it would have been fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I, I'd be much more sympathetic to Metallica if they could self edit. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now there's a thing. Yeah. yeah but that, but that, um, Let's not go down that road. No, 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 no. That's um uh, to, to quote the uh, the great Sean Keevney. That's a creative cul-de-sac. Track number three. Three. Okay, Thanks. I'm going to go with um uh, my favourite band of all time, bar none. And wow. Uh, and this is even including Iron Maiden. Uh, my favourite band of all time is Cardiacs. Um, and uh, it always will be. <laughs> so hmm. uh, I, I don't know what to say really. I, well, I asked, there is a vague, there's a vague anecdote with this one. Um, I know I can remember exactly the day that I got the album. Uh, it's there. It's actually the title track, which is the opening track of, of the big ship yeah. EP, which yeah. was released in 1987. Um, and I was, my friend went into town after school to get it for me. I gave him some money and he picked picked me up a copy of that, which I'd seen in the shop. Uh, so I knew I knew it was there, and uh, and also Prince's Sign of the Times uh, as well. Oh, they, wonderful! The, the double album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the reason I couldn't go into town was because I was running the hundred meters in the district sports. <laughs> um, it's rock and roll somewhere. Um, which I know it's uh, hard to believe anyone who knows me now that I could ever be mm. fucking asked to run anywhere. Uh, but, but I, I'm, you know, I'm six foot three. I was not unfit when I was a teenager and I was relatively quick on my feet, you know, but yeah, I think yeah. I came fourth. <laughs> so, you know, it, you know, out of six, Amazing. that's not bad. You that's know. not bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. But in the, in the meantime, my friend went into Hemel Hempstead town center and went to our price records, which was our, which was our, uh, you know, spiritual mecca, yeah. really. Yeah, um, And picked me up this this Cardiacs EP. And the, and the reason I wanted it, I hadn't even heard them, really, but I'd seen a, a brief clip of a video of one of their early songs, which I'd seen on the Tube on Channel 4. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. and I can't remember. It's either A Wooden Fish on Wheels or Tarred and Feathered. It was one of those two songs. Um, and anyway, but I just thought it, it sounded bonkers. They looked bonkers. I thought this... This is for me. Um, and so we got this. And so he picked up the Big Ship EP, which I think was the only record they'd released that was actually, you know, available in shops. I think they'd mm. released like tapes with, you know, self-recorded stuff on. But I don't think, oh, I wow. think that was their first proper record. Um, and it was just life changing. You know, just uh, there's something about the way Tim Smith wrote music that is just magical, you know, and the lyrics are both utter nonsense <laughs> and yet weirdly profound um, and very memorable, the lyrics, even though they're gobbledygook for the most part, you know, um, and just something about the melodies is just, uh, you know, that this is, can be some of the most manic music you've ever heard. But uh, Cardiac's records can be, you know, some of the stuff is just totally berserk. But Big Ship's like a hymn, really. Mm. It's got it's got it's like a sort of crazy, uh, I don't know, circus post rock song to start off with and then 
when the chorus kicks in and the final crescendo of what is really basically a hymn and I, I, it's just a it just blew me away in that kind of I don't I've never heard anything like this before in my life you know and I, and I, I spend a lot of my I'm, I'm so obsessed with music I spend a lot of time chasing that that buzz or I've never heard that before hmm. that 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 is amazing you know um, and it only happens a few times a year you know but but if you listen to enough music you'll find it you know yeah, so, yeah. So, and so big ship is like a, it was an amazing one for me i just they instantly became my favorite band you know just on the basis of those five songs wow. and then it just and then it just became a mission to hear everything else they'd heard you know and and but that that song has a a particular uh, resonance and i don't know why but um I saw them play it live probably I saw Cardiacs maybe 25 times in total I think before Blimey. wow before Tim got ill I mean I know yeah. people who've seen 150 times you know really? so, oh my God. But, um, no. but I saw them the the, the 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 greatest gig I've ever been to in my life uh or joint first <laughs> is hmm. uh, it was Cardiac Cardiacs played I think like an impromptu gig at Glastonbury and it okay. was up on, up on in one of the like the Greenpeace tent or some you know some really not one of the big tents not a major one just like a you know they'd have they'd have some awful people playing bongos and chanting for half the day you know but <laughs> yeah oh, seriously awful yeah, yeah I mean unless if, you have to take the same drugs as them to appreciate it exactly <laughs> but cardiacs played and they played really late it was like midnight when they came on. Um, and they finished their set with Big Ship, and I, I and I was really stoned. I might I might have been coming off a of, uh, LSD or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I just remember I was I wasn't particularly drunk, but I you know I was in that kind of fragile emotional state that you get in when you yeah. when you've been on a load of things and you're in a weird situation, but you know it's okay. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> tear stained face, you know. Yeah. And and I, and I and I looked around the tent, which was rammed. I mean, it was yeah. absolutely full. People, you know, like ten deep out out the back, uh, and everybody had a tear stained face. And people were singing along really? with this, you know, this uh, the last bit of Big Ship, which I, the lyrics now completely vanished from my head. But it's just a big rousing refrain, and everyone had their arms in the air, and people were crying, and it was just, you oh know, it's like the close. I, I mean, I'm. A, a, miserable hardcore atheist and i don't believe in spirituality or the or the supernatural at all it's all bollocks and grow up um but that was really close to being a religious experience you know yeah. everything tim smith wrote was was that brilliant you know there's no there's nothing that their entire catalog is just it's genius from start to finish you know and i i urge anyone who hasn't listened to them to listen to them because it's it's you know if you like bonkers, fucked up, crazy, but also beautiful, clever, you know, imaginative music, then Cardiacs are the greatest band of all time, and that's the end of that. You know, they're my Beatles. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who are your wings then? Who are my wings? Oh, no, that's, well, that's, that's a good question. Actually. Let's go full on fucking partridge now. <laughs> yeah, right. The band, the band of Beatles could have been exactly. <laughs> Track number four, mate. Where we go? Right, number four. Uh, I'm going to go with My Dying Bride. Mm. Um, the Cry of Man. Doom. Oh, it's doom. Yeah, I mean, I. The, the band themselves are aware how much I love them, and it does get a bit embarrassing sometimes. Oh, really? Right? <laughs> and I, well, just because, uh, again, they're a band that I have a huge emotional connection to their music, and it, mm. it's not everything they've done, although I like everything they've done, but they've just 
released three or four albums that have really, really resonated with me at particular times in my life, you know, and mm. and songs in particular that that just send shivers, you know, every time. And the, t- the two main ones are The Cry of Mankind and The Dreadful Hours, the title track from The Dreadful Hours, which just ruins me. But The Cry of Mankind, I think, is particularly special because uh, that album was uh, The Angel and the Dark River is, is a classic anyway. But there was something outrageous about starting an album with a song that goes on for, I don't even know how long it is, but it's really so long. 15 minutes or something? 15 minutes, right? And, and, that, and, that, and, and that guitar motif just doesn't change throughout. No, that's right. And that stays the same. And the last five minutes are like a psychedelic drug yeah. nightmare, you know, yeah. well, and literally yeah. because I, inter- I interviewed Aaron about it and he said, yeah, the, the engineer Max was smoking so much weed in the control room that we were all like fucking shit faced, you know, and, <laughs> and going, oh, yeah, put that weird sound on and, you know, and all that. So, so that's what it is, is a bunch of lads out of their minds going, this sounds fucking ridiculous. So let's make it more ridiculous, you know, but. The song itself is like just that repeated motif, that repeated line is magical to me, you know, and, and because of, and that's because of what happens underneath it. You know, the song builds and builds and and Aaron's voice and his lyrics are I think he's one of the great poets of heavy metal, you know, and um, he doesn't get you know, that band did not get get the recognition they deserve because they've released a lot of incredibly classy pieces of work, you know, and, and the cry of mankind is, I think one of, yeah, it's one of their greatest, it's certainly their greatest album opener. I would say it's just, I don't know. They were quite young chaps at that point, you know, and, that, mm. and that's incredibly creative and yeah. inventive music, especially considering it's doom. You know, you think, you think of doom as being electric wizard playing the same riff for 20 minutes, you know, which, <laughs> yeah. which I love. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I love same, it. Same. And, you know, as a, as a stoner, that's right on my street, but to do, to do that, to play really slow and then to make it sound like a, you know, as the, the old cliche went, a sonic cathedral of sound, you know, all of that. And the, the sheer, the, the atmosphere and the, the melancholy and the, um, the, the, the finesse of my dying bride compared to a lot of other doom bands, you know, it's, it's um it's art you know and it always was from the from the very beginning and i think the cry of mankind was the moment when they they went up a level to you know you can do some fucking wild things with this music you know and and so that it's yeah it's it's a real benchmark i think a 90s benchmark no no completely i mean i mean you know i just want to not touch upon something you said earlier in regards to you know why don't you think they that they didn't get as big as say you know i mean like like you know when paradise lost like you know them and paradise lost on a kind of fairly even keel early to mid 90s but then paradise lost released draconian times and it just went and it was like all of a sudden it was just like it's the metallica it's okay to like and all that bollocks that the press was saying at the time yeah yeah um but mine bride just never kind of took it up to that kind of next level n- n- nothing against them because they're a fucking unbelievable band but yeah yeah you know why do you think that why do you think that was i i think it's because and i think paradise i think the, the paradise lost lads would probably admit it they were considerably more motivated and ambitious to tour a lot and yeah, to yeah. make a go of it than my dying bride and from what i know of aaron and, and andy they they uh they would have loved to have sold shitloads of records but they they weren't going to do shorter songs to to achieve it. No, you know what I mean. No. Whereas, yeah. well, <laughs> you know, they, they yeah. weren't they weren't going to make an album full of pop, you know, full of catchy or or, or do something that sounded like Depeche Mode or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I think Paradise Lost, 
and I'm not that. That's not a criticism. But Paradise Lost at all, you know, they no, a, diff, a, a different what animal, you know, yeah. a different animal. And uh, you know, by the time they made Icon, it was obvious that they were in the business of writing catchy heavy metal songs. Yeah, you know, and and Draconian Times was just the best version of that. It sounded like Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. and it sounded like Sisters of Mercy as well, you know, yes. and, and so. Yeah. In the early nineties, that was pretty cool fucking sound, you know. And so, mm-hmm. so Paradise Lost sold a lot of records and did much more touring, you know. Whereas My Dying Bride continued to be My Dying Bride, and and which is why I think they're probably still around because they didn't they didn't yeah, have true. they didn't have that sudden burst of oh we've no. had a, we've got a hit, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they just made yeah. they made records like like you know like the Angel in the Dark River and and you know Light at the End of the Tunnel and all that, you know. I mean, do you think that, like the the importance of an opening track of an album, as we first knew it, when we were like starting to obsess over music, you know, going to our price and Hemel and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, listening posts—they were a thing. Ask your grandparents. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, do, do you think that importance of like an opening track is something that's been lost in this horrible, vile digital age that we have? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I yeah. I hate the modern world. That's obvious. I mean, like, yeah, so, yeah. you know, anyone who. <clears throat> anyone who's ever read my stuff or, you know, seen my videos from a, a long time ago will know that I'm a miserable prick, you know? So, um, <laughs> I, it's not, it's not that I have any issue with the digital thing. I don't have any issue with streaming. I think, you know, that the way it's monetized is morally fucking corrupt, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, as a, as a concept it's perfectly legit. And, and mm-hmm. if that's how people want to consume music, then that's fine. Uh, but I'm an albums guy and I'm always going to be an albums guy while people are still making albums because in much the same way that you wouldn't declare yourself to be a fan of an author after reading one chapter of their book, you know, I, I want I want the whole piece of work. I don't, I'm not interested in, you know, I'll, I sometimes listen to people's preview singles or whatever you want to call them, you know, if, if I haven't already been sent the album in advance or whatever, and someone puts a single out, I'm like, oh, I might check that out. But really, Something inside me, guys. I don't really want. I just want to hear the album. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. It's, it's especially, especially these days when like an advanced single usually just means a shit fucking lyric video on YouTube, which I have no yeah. interest in. Yeah, yeah, you that's know. it. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a fan of videos anyway. I don't. I, occasionally, somebody will say, "I'll oh, check this out. It's really funny," and I'll watch mm. it. You know, mm. or, or you know, I'll, I don't know. But generally, I'm not interested in videos, and so all of that stuff is just like, I really don't care. You know, I just and uh, it annoys me when people make a big deal because they've just released a song. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, well, where are the rest of them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but is that kind? Of, yeah, is is that is that kind of the sign of the times though, where it's just like yeah. it's all about it's all about that one song, and if that song, like you know. I've got children. I know you've got kids. Um, yeah. Like you know, it's it's just that whole kind of next, next, next thing. You know, there's no kind of yeah. I'm oh, totally. You know, I, I find it's... it I find it painful, but at the same time, I uh, I do like the the idea of my kids going down a rabbit hole of next, 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 and finding weird shit that they wouldn't have yeah. thought of otherwise. I don't yeah, think it's. Don't at think, it. I don't think it's entirely bad, but I mean, my kids know how I feel about the album. And I've bored them to death about it, you know. And it's Same. just, yeah, it's just, you know, yeah. if it doesn't if it doesn't matter to them, then whatever. It just matters to me, you know. And I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm, these days again, I'm a vinyl dude, and I just like the experience of 45 to a, minutes to an hour of music 
that takes me on, you know, all the cliches you want. It takes me on a journey. It does the, you know, do you know what I mean? All of that stuff. It's true because it works, you know, like yeah. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band works as an album. You know, if you, if you took, there's one or two tracks on that that actually are probably rubbish on their own. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? No one it's more than isn't it's more than two on that album yeah well it's like <laughs> my favorite beatles album is abbey road right and I, okay and yeah. i and i like octopus's garden in a sort of ha ha it's ringo sort of way but <laughs> but it's not a brilliant it's not brilliant is it it's, no no <laughs> but it's part of the album and i would i, I would, know it is I yeah, you wouldn't take it no exactly you would take it off no i, I don't yeah, skip, yeah. No. no no exactly i'm anti-skip Let's bring it out. Anti-skip. We got yeah, it. Yeah, I am. I'm anti-skip. Yeah. Nice. Slash uh, straight edge. Just close <laughs> as I get. <laughs> Brilliant. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have another toke. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> let's br- let's bring it home, mate. Let's You're talk about a possibly. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's yeah. Let's bring out let's bring out the big guns and. Right. Uh, well, if we... let's, let's talk about the greatest ever metal band of all time. Yeah, okay, sounds reasonable. I mean, if yeah. if we can assume that there might be some people that listen to this that know who I am and that I don't, I'm, they don't think I'm just some dickhead that's talking about his record collection. Um, I think Iron Maiden is the band with whom I shall will always be associated for 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 more than one reason, but you know, for yeah. the obvious reason that when I was thirteen, uh, when I was fourteen rather, I was I was on Jim will fix it, you know, with uh, with Iron Maiden, and <laughs> and I and I went to be their roadie for the day at the Hammersmith Odeon on the Summer in Time tour. It's still yeah. fucking mental. The clips on YouTube, I'm like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I, put, I put it up there. I was either put it up there. <laughs> yeah, we got Amazing. it off the old VHS. We can. I was gonna it. say, is this off VHS? Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Surreal. I mean, it was mad, and I, you know, I, I mean, with the best in the world, I don't want to go into the whole story of that day, really. But <laughs> we'll, no, we'll be, you know, but it was, <laughs> it, it was obviously one of those pivotal moments in my life. You know, it's not, yeah. some, it's not something that I expected to happen. I wrote, I wrote in, no. like everyone wrote in in those days. You know, I yeah, I did. I wrote yeah. loads of times. Yeah. That's it. But you people wrote in, and you never expect, you know, you don't expect anyone. No. To, no. So when it happened, it blew my tiny, you know, very naive and quite innocent mind, really, you know. And yeah. I, I was only 13 when when uh, we got the thumbs up, and I was 14 when it happened. Mm. And I was, you know, not not a particularly savvy child, you know. Do you know what I mean? I led quite a sheltered mm. life, so suddenly being in that environment was properly mind blowing, you know. But they they were so lovely to me that they were my <laughs> favorite. Cool that? So, yeah, That's they so were. Cool. And, and seeing them live from the side of the stage, you know, yeah. was at, at that age. I mean, they were just instantly my favorite band of all time. And heavy metal was instantly the thing I liked the most. And do you know what I mean? It was just like, there was no question in my mind. It was all about Iron Maiden from that mm-hmm. moment on, you know? And so I've always liked all kinds of music, but from that, that experience, uh Iron Maiden are just they're, they're beyond important to me you know they're just like they're part of who I am you know and mm. and I think a lot of Maiden fans feel like that it's just a fact it's part of the fabric of who you are and uh it's never been ruined and I'm not going to mention other bands who have ruined what they've done but you know what I'm saying Maiden yeah Blaise, even in the 90s with Blaze Bailey they wrote some decent songs and yeah, it was they- just, and it was just the wrong time, you know. It was. Just it, it was. I mean, that was. Um, you know, I, I first became, you know, a Maiden fan when I, I, I saw the Can I Play a Madness video on top of the pops with Graham Chapman. God bless yeah. him. 
brilliant. You know, I was 10. Um, you know, up until that point, Shaken Stevens was my rock god. Yeah, nice. You know, and, and it, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's shaky, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, a little bit shaky. Um. But yeah, after that it was you know it was made, and I was there, um, you know, through through the nineties, and I you know remember getting you know rinse going, oh you listen to that fucking maiden shit, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we're, we're like you know you know there was part you know like in the mid nineties, you know, I was you know obviously massively into like Oasis and Blur because I was I was the right age for it at the time, I was sixteen yeah, when yeah, Part yeah. Life came out and all that, you know, but I still listened to Maiden, DC, Van Halen, I I I, I, I loved the X Factor. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. so much, not so much virtual eleven, you know. T- time has been incredibly kind on the X Factor, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, I, my, my official yeah. line on the X Factor is: you could take out the three boring ones in the middle of it, and it's a much better album. Uh, yeah, it sags in the middle. The X Factor. Yeah, it does. It was too. It was too long. They should have yeah. put. I think uh, one of the best songs they did around the time it was it called Judgment of the Peace. It was a B side. It's yes, Man on the Edge. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's 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 really fast. That song needs more. That album needs needed more fast fucking yes, songs. Yeah, you yeah. know, Man yeah. on the Edge was such a fucking brilliant way to introduce Blaze. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, yeah. and it, you know, I, but I still fucking love that song now. I'll, um, but. I'd be lying if I said I literally didn't jump fist in the air when I was in W.S. Smith and I saw on the front cover of Kerrang that <laughs> yeah. Bruce had rejoined Maiden. Because yeah, I, I, I saw I, I saw Bruce about, I don't know, six months before he, he joined Maiden. He, um, I was living in Cambridge at the time and he played The Junction. Oh, okay. little venue, A little venue in Cambridge holds about, I don't know, seven, eight hundred. Yeah. And Adrian Smith was in the touring band. I think it was uh, chemical. It was a chemical wedding tour. I oh, think. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did. He did loads of Maiden, loads of deep cuts. He did Prisoner, uh, Re- uh, Revelation, and stuff like this. It was fucking yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. I just remember thinking at the time, I was just like, oh man, it wouldn't it be so great if he rejoined. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's never going to happen. Da da da. And then yeah. <laughs> well, that's and, it. That's the thing that that lineup. You know, the uh, and no disrespect to Yannick Gares, but the lineup that did number of the beast through to seven son of a seven son yeah that yeah. is you know with respect to clive bear as well but you know from peace of mind onwards that yeah that, those, those five guys that they define the iron maiden sound for me that's yeah. the, that's the Absolutely. stuff that means the most to me you know i i to this day maintain that the first the first seven iron maiden albums is the greatest ever run of studio albums by any mm. rock, rock band ever i don't that's think anyone's any, ever topped that um yeah uh, Here's a question for you then. What would you say yeah. is the most underrated Iron Maiden album? Uh, the most underrated see, album. I want to see, if, yeah, under. See if it's the same as mine. Obviously, it's not going to be one of the first seven. <laughs> Obviously. No, and it's not going to be. Uh, well, yeah. See, there's a couple. I, I think their weakest albums are uh, No Prayer for the Dying and Virtually Eleven. Oh, so. see, No Prayer for the Dying is my most underrated album. Is it? Yeah, I thought. I thought it's it one of my favorite. Yeah. I mean, Mother Russia's dog shit, but. Yeah, Mother uh, Russia's terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know that's terrible. But I, I always like Tooks and You. Holy smoke, the worst video ever made. But I, oh, I adore the, I adore the song. It's yeah, yeah. I can just imagine the conversation. Rod Smallwood said, "Yeah, you haven't got a budget, so whatever. here's the video cameras." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, all that. To be fair, they've never made even, even the recent stuff. Like I, I yeah. like, I like the uh, Speed of Light one was good fun. Um, yeah. And the writing on the wall one was actually pretty decent. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, but, if um, those those aside, Iron Maiden are yeah. not great at videos because they no. don't they don't care really. 
no. about making records and playing shows and that they do all this other stuff because you have to. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You know, you can tell their hearts aren't in their videos a lot of the time. You know? <laughs> no, completely. I mean, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I was thinking about this, especially when the last album came out. It's like, you know, that initial run, like Dickinson was only in the band like 10 years. And now he's obviously been in the band, what, 20, he's been back uh, 22 years now, yeah, or 23 yeah, yeah. years, because it was 99, wasn't it? How, how much more juice do you think they've got left in the tank? You know, do you think there'll be another album or? Um, I mean, yes. I know, I know, I mean, I mean, I know technically they, you know, they, they never finished the previous tour. No. <laughs> because of fucking well, I think, COVID. Yeah, but, I know. think you'll find. My guess would be that the 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 gap between albums will actually re, uh, reduce reduced. now because they won't want to do four years of touring. No. I think they'll probably do three years of touring and then we'll get an album in, I don't know, 2025, 2026, you know. Um, I think, I, I think, I think there's I, at least one more and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's two. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. No, I've got no issue with that. So, but what, what I'd like to see is them going back to just doing like a succinct 40 to 45 minute album, seven tracks, eight tracks. I'm not going to lie. I, I think, you know, Book of Souls was a bit, bloated <laughs> and uh sin, 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 i never know how to say it sinjitsu sinjitsu i say sinjitsu yeah again you know i think there's a re- there's a really good kind of 45 50 minute album in there i just yeah, think yeah. there's no, a, I, it's just a bit i don't know yeah I know, I know what you're saying i think it's i think the thing for iron maiden is that they they no longer have to play by anybody's rules no no and they just record uh, a bunch of songs yeah, and yeah but i've got no issue with that i mean that's punk, that's punk as fuck yeah it's punk <laughs> as fuck to be honest they're yeah, doing yeah. it you know yeah and you know they can't help I, themselves i think no you know yeah. <laughs> basically i think that's the issue you know? yeah well yeah i mean to, to be fair though it, you know they've earned the right so yeah I I, you know. I I just to name drop i i i uh, interviewed yannick gares for the for the iron maiden uh cover story for metal hammer nice um, and you know I, he said obviously he collaborates with steve on some of the songs you know yeah and he, he said well basically yeah, i'll bring in a couple of ideas for a song and i give them to steve and then steve goes away and i said what and then he comes back with a 12 minute song and he went yeah basically <laughs> that that is what happens yes you know, Unbelievable. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think unlike, unlike Metallica, I don't think Iron Maiden have a problem with self-editing. I think it's just they can't stop. Other people would put eight of those songs on an album, not ten. You know, that's mm. all. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. and but it's a triple album on vinyl. And I, I can just see Iron Maiden being very pleased with that, that it's a really old fashioned, indulgent and, yeah. you know, old school thing to do rather than. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, Kanye West or something doing a 20-minute album. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Which is which is a thing now which I don't understand. You know that that annoys me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Say it's a new same. album. It's 22 minutes long. Well, it's a, then it's, it's a then it's a mini album, my friend. <laughs> then it's an EP. That's right. Essentially, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come back okay. when you've written the other eight songs. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'll be lovely when it's finished. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. I like the sampler platter. Now, where's the main course? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, so I forgot to mention, because like, um, hmm. Caught Summer in Time, the track I was supposed to be talking yes. about. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it, there's a the particular reason why uh, it sticks in my head. Is, I mean, all their album openers are good pretty much. They're, they're great at opening tracks. Yes, um, they are. Uh, you know, when you think that they, 
you know things like aces high as an opening track it's a piss take really you know there's that, that yeah it still, <laughs> still takes a face off now but caught yeah. somewhere in time reminds me of watching myself on television the first time when jim will fix it was actually broadcast mm-hmm. and at the beginning when the it rolls and you can see the iron maidens lorries rolling into the venue and it's like a, you know the build-up to stuff happening that's playing in the background and it's a and it just gives me the absolute goosebumps it just reminds me of being you know having my mind blown forever really and they they opened it with it on that tour as well you know so which uh was amazing mate i think that's that's a heck of a way to wrap this up unbelievable dom thank you so much my friends you're welcome mate no worries at all and there we go what an absolute fucking amazing chat that was. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, big, huge, insane um, thanks to Dom. And I'll stand by the fact that St. Anger is a 4K album. And I mean, come on, you know, Metallica have just been announced recently. They're, doing, they're going to be doing two sets at uh, Donington next year. Um, how fucking great would it be that they actually pulled out some proper deep cuts this time? I'd love to see Invisible Kid and Dirty Window live. It'd be fucking great. And I'll die on that hill, man. It's a fucking good album. When was the last time you listened to it? Don't at me. I'm fucking bored shitless of defending this album. Anyway, so uh, yeah, please leave a re- leave us a, a lovely review uh, on Spotify and iTunes. Nothing to do with some anger, please. Uh, but it all helps with the algorithms and um, yeah, getting the podcast into people's views and into people's grills. And uh, you know, tell all your friends about us and what happens around this fruity little parish. And uh, until next time, hey, stay safe. And as ever, fuck the Tories and fuck Nick Hancock. I'm out of here. Peace. Top five side ones, side ones, track one. You've been listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter by searching for Track One Side One podcast to keep fully up to date with all future guests. And there will also be Spotify playlists linked to each episode. So please check all that out, and I'll see you soon.